like to invite you to a soul level encounter. Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That's what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. You will hear the music that has charted the steps of their spiritual journey, that has provided a touchstone in the soul's dark night and sung the heart's awe and joy when come to the light. Over the next hour, you will be a witness and companion to our guests' spiritual path and sacred testimony. Welcome to Song of the Soul. Another gem for today's Song of the Soul. Her name is Sarah McQuaid, resident of Ireland and England for the past 18 years, but from the U.S., born and bred. With a healthy background of traditional folk music, she's emerged over the years as a talented songwriter in her own right. With a beautiful voice, a lively, lovely guitar, and with more talented folks to back her up, you'll have the opportunity today to enrich and deepen your experience with music and soul. Sarah McQuaid is just starting out a two-month tour of this fair land of ours, and she joins us today by phone from Texas. Sarah, it's a delight to have you here today for Song of the Soul. Thank you so much for having me on the program, Mark. You've just arrived recently in the USA, starting off a, a tour of a couple months across the USA. How often do you actually stay at home? Well, I, what I try and do is I do three months on and three months off. So I've just been home all summer. I was home all through the months of June, July, and, well, for most of August. I left home on the morning of the 31st of August. I'll be home for about five days at the end of October, then away again for November and up to the 2nd of December. But then I'll be home for December, January, and February. What I do is I kind of plan my touring schedule around my kids' school holidays so that I'm always home when they're off school like that. And you're living in England. I guess you've been there five years, Ireland 13 years before. Your accent is clearly not native British. So you're from the USA. How did you end up over in <laughs> Ireland and England? It seems a bit out of the way. Yeah, I was born, I was actually, I was born in Spain, which is where my father was from. My father was Spanish. My mother was American. So I lived the first two years of my life in Spain and then went back to Chicago, which is my mother's hometown lived in Chicago until I was about 13 years old, and then we moved to Washington, D.C., and then I went to college in Philadelphia, at Haverford College, just outside Philadelphia, Quaker College, then moved over to Ireland after that. That's why my accent is a little bit all over the place. And it's funny, because everywhere I go, I sound like I'm from somewhere else. <laughs> yes. Like, you know, when I'm in Ireland, people say, oh, you're American, are you here on holidays? And when I'm in America, people say, oh, so you're Irish, right? You know, and it's just my, where, everywhere I go, I sound like I'm not a native. <laughs> so what did take you over to Ireland and to England? Well, to Ireland, what took me there was my first husband and my second husband are both Irish. And it was my first Irish husband who we'd been living in Philadelphia. So I went to Ireland with him. Even after that relationship ended, I really felt at home there. And I'd made some really, really good friends there and just felt that I'd sort of put down roots and that I remarried to the man I'm married to now, and he's Irish as well, and our two children were born in Ireland. So it was really home. But then after my mother died, my stepfather was having difficulty managing on his own, and he made myself and my husband an offer we couldn't refuse, whereby 
if we would move into the house, he would give it to us. So that's what we did. And that took us to England. But again, we've really put down roots in Cornwall and have made really close friends there. And it's been fantastic for me musically. So it, it worked out really well, the move to Cornwall. Well, why don't you start us out with some of your music? Obviously, I've heard already that it's folk, right? That folk is your emphasis. It gets classified as folk. I mean, when I write songs, I'm not thinking to myself, I'm writing a folk song. I'm thinking to myself, I'm writing a song that I hope people can listen to and relate to, regardless of what kind of music they're into or what kind of background they come from. It gets classified as folk because it's acoustic. And a lot of the material that I performed on my previous two albums was folk material. It was music that comes from the tradition. My first album was mostly traditional Irish music. My second album was mostly American Appalachian music. And there were a couple of my own songs on each of those. But um, the new album really emphasizes my own songwriting. And then there's three tracks that are really kind of early music. There's a medieval song and two Elizabethan members. So what do you want to start out with? Oh, sorry. (laughs) You did ask me that. Let's start out with songs that I... You're talking about Songs of the Soul, that's your program, and when I think of the soul, I think of a a song that I had on my second album, I Won't Go Home Till Morning, and the song is called Only an Emotion, and it's a song that I wrote after I'd had this kind of series of tragedies in my life involving bravement and so on, a bunch of bad things happened all at once, and I was grieving What happens quite a lot of the time in England and Ireland, and I don't know if people really do this in the USA so much, but if you're walking down the road and you're looking sad, a total stranger will come walking the other way and they'll say, cheer up, might never happen. And you know, you just want to take them and shake them by the collar and say, yeah, well, you know, it has actually happened. It has happened. And I am sad and that ought to be allowed. And that got me thinking about how grief is something that we don't do very well in our contemporary Western society. And that didn't always used to be the way, like in Ireland particularly. People used to keen and wail at funerals. And I think if we all did more keening and wailing and open outpouring of grief when we're really sad, we might be more able to get through that quickly and efficiently and and just get through it and come out the other side. Because I think you have to go through that grieving process before you can come out the other side and kind of say to yourself, okay, I feel happy again now. You know, you have to have the troughs in order to have the peaks. It's like waves. So I decided to write a song about that and the result is only an emotion. Cheer up, it might never happen, said the stranger in the street. Well, it already did, but that's life. And loss is nothing new to me. And the doctor says I need a little something to get me through this difficult time. But I've got a reason for my state of mind. It's only an emotion There's no problem here to solve It's natural I'm feeling sad That's all We don't talk about it, that's for sure 
We smile like obedient children, and we swallow the pills prescribed. Cause the power of our anguish has us terrified. It's only an emotion. There's no problem here to solve. It's natural. I'm feeling sad. That's And today I saw a funny thing that made me crack a smile. And the colors all seem brighter. And my soul is getting lighter. It just takes a little while. Problem here to solve. It's natural. I'm feeling sad. That's all. It's natural to feel. song by Sarah McQuaid, Only an Emotion, and it's from her second album, I Won't Go Home Till Morning. Her latest one, The Plum Tree and The Rose, is fresh out this year. You can find them all on her website, sarahmcquaid.com. You'll find a link, of course, from northernspiritradio.org. Again, only emotion there. And sadness, only emotion. I th- we are kind of afraid of that. By the way, I lived in Africa a couple of years when I was in the Peace Corps, and I actually had an opportunity to see people. At one time, I was at a beach, and someone drowned. So I saw the wife of the person who had drowned show up, and she's wailing, and she's rushing towards the water like she's going to throw herself in. She's got friends holding her back. as She wailed and gnashing of teeth and all of that, and there's no embarrassment there which, of course, you know, in so much of our culture is unacceptable. Uh, have you been able to convert anybody to uh, the accepting <laughs> that emotions are a little... So you can go down the street and say, how are you? And they'll say, well, I'm feeling pretty rotten today. Well, I've had a lot of people come up to me at gigs and tell me that that song really spoke to them. And I've had people tell me that it got them through their own grieving processes, which is amazing. I mean, that's to me, that's the most wonderful thing that could happen. I remember a man came up to me at a concert I was doing once, and he said, your song, Only an Emotion, helped me get through losing my wife. His wife had died, and, and he said he just listened to that song over and over again. It was listening to that song that made him sort of feel his own release and allow him to grieve the way he needed to. Um, so that, that, to me, is just wonderful. I mean, gosh, it makes you feel like you're actually doing something worthwhile by bringing songs into the world. I'm kind of figuring, however, that the psychiatrists of the world are trying to suppress publication of that song because you talk about how swallowing pills, uh, that's how they, what they give us to make the feelings go away. Well, I think medication can be a really good thing 
if you're experiencing depression, but depression is a very different thing to grief. Grief is when you have a legitimate reason to be sad and you are sad, whereas being depressed is when you can't get out of bed in the morning and you don't know why. And I think they're two different things. And I thought it was strange that my doctor, this is when I was living in Ireland, was telling me that I should take antidepressants because I was grieving. And of course, our society has changed so much. We spend so much more time with screens than we do with people mm. and with professionals instead of friends. Yes. That we don't have the, the vents that we used to have, I guess. Yeah, this is the thing. I mean, it comes into, and this is a, a bit of a segue to my next song as well, in that uh, my next song is, has to do with being a mother. So much of what we know about child rearing and looking after children and babies now comes to us from books and from the internet and from what we're instructed to do by professionals. And again, it, that didn't used to be the way, you know. It used to be that, you know, you'd have a whole community of fellow parents around you who would tell you things and say, this is how you do it and show you things. And now so much is dictated by professionals instead of friends. And that's kind of sad as well. What's hilarious now is that anytime I want to know something now from, you know, which camera should I buy to how long again do you boil an egg for? I forget. You know, I look it up online. What's amazing is so much of the time the answers come from these online forums, which are, you know, just people writing in with helpful information that they've discovered and people who like to answer each other's questions and that kind of thing. It really restores your faith in humanity that there are all these people out there who are just really eager to share their knowledge with total strangers and help them if they can. And that's just wonderful. The song you're introducing, Lift You Up and Let You Fly, how old of a kid are we talking about? Have you really got flying kids already? Well, I wrote that song when my daughter was, I think I wrote it when she was six. She's seven now. She's one of these fearless children. I've got two children. I've got a little boy and a little girl, and my son is the older child, and he's kind of the classic older child. He's very careful and cautious and responsible and always does what he's told, and my daughter is the classic younger child who doesn't do any of those things, and, and she's, she's amazing, and she, she, she floors me every, every day. She's the most amazing child, but she's fearless. You know, she's one of these, she'll walk right up to the edge of the cliff and lean over and look down, and it terrifies me. All I could think was, gosh, if it's this terrifying now when she's six as she was, then what's it going to be like when she's 16 or 27 for that matter, or 37? And, and I think no matter what age your kids are, you have to constantly remind yourself that they have to learn things for themselves and you cannot protect them from the world and you can't wrap them in bubble wrap and cotton wool and keep them safe the way you'd like to. You have to let them go out there and do the stuff that they want and need to do. And so that's what I kind of wrote that next song that I'd chosen about. It's called Lift You Up and Let You Fly. My pretty little bird, you've got fragile little bones. The beauty in your eyes leaves me terrified. So much danger in this world, I'm scared to let you out alone. Scared to let you spread your baby wings and take to flight. But though my belly made you, I can't hold you, I can't cage you, I can't lay my fears to rest, but I can try to lift you up and let you fly.
As you set out on your way, there's so much more I want to say before you flutter to the edge and start to beat your ways. But I know that I can't save you from whatever fate awaits you, be it bitterness or joy, and I will try to lift you up and let you fly. You up and let you fly. Another beautiful song by Sarah McQuaid. Sweet, moving tune, Sarah. I'm afraid that I'm. Mean, of course, you you grab the image of let you go, let you fly, but of course, you were talking about leaning over a cliff, and so maybe flying is not what would happen. Well, obviously, your kids are quite deep part of your heart and soul, even though you have to travel away from them. I, that must be extremely tearing to do that. I assume they're both very consciously English, even though they've got an Irish and an American father and mother. Yeah, they are. Although my son now, he's quite conscious of being Irish. Like, he will say, I am Irish. My daughter, she's lived in England for a lot more of her childhood, and I suppose she will, probably will grow up thinking of herself as being English. But I suppose with Eli, like she, she has much more of an English accent than my son does. My son's accent is still quite Irish, even though he's been living in England since he was four years old. Well, give us some more of your wonderful music, and uh, I'm sure we'll learn more about your kids and your life and your heart through this music. Well, the next song that I selected is, it's another one from my new album that I wrote, and it's called In Darby Cathedral. What led me to Darby Cathedral was that I was researching the life of a woman called Bess of Hardwick, who I wrote another song about. It's called Hardwick's Lofty Towers. She's a very interesting woman who lived back in the 16th century. And I'd written a song about her, and I found out she was buried in Darby Cathedral, and so I had to go there to have a look at her tomb and I guess I'd originally set out to just write the song was just going to be a little canon or round um, because I really like rounds I like the way they're structured it's an interesting sort of exercise to put a round together and I wrote the canon in Darby Cathedral but the song I felt like the song kept pursuing me and I remember I was sitting in the green room of a a, a venue in uh, Munich in Germany 
and I started just thinking this, the phrase in Darby Cathedral kept resonating with me, and I kept thinking about cathedrals and all of the people who've passed through them and all of the people who contributed to their building, because cathedrals, they're built over a period of centuries, whatever, about years, and all these different people contribute to the building of them, and then all these different people pass through them. And, you, you know, there are these plaques on the wall, these stone tablets on the wall with names of people who were contributed to the building or who were buried there and so on, and you just feel the intersection of humanity and architecture really strongly. I hope I'm phrasing that in such a way that it doesn't sound too airy-fairy, but I just wanted to write a song about people and buildings and the way they intersect, and that became in Darby Cathedral. In Darby Cathedral, I read through the names on the wall And I think of them all I think of them all Say a prayer for the souls of the faithful departed Who've walked through these halls Say a prayer for them all Say a prayer for them all So many who labored to praise their creator With towers of glass, wood and stone Where I wander alone In Darby Cathedral, it's peaceful but not in my mind. No peace can I find. No peace.
my soul free to roam, my name carved in stone. Listen to the bells ringing out for me. In Derby Cathedral, I found my last home. My soul free to roam, my name carved in stone. My soul. Listen to the bells ringing out for me. From Sarah McQuaid's latest CD, The Plum Tree and the Rose in Darby Cathedral, is the song she's with us here today for Song of the Soul. I'm your host, Mark Helpsmeet, for this Northern Spirit Radio production. Website, northernspiritradio.com. Org. You can come to the site, listen to seven years of programs that we've produced, both Song of the Soul and Spirit in Action. You can download. You can also get them via iTunes on our website. You can post comments, and I really do love hearing from you. Also on my website, you'll find a place to leave donations. That's how I make my living, and so I'm counting on you to help out that way. Again, Sarah McQuaid here with us. Her website, sarahmcquaid.com. Follow the link from NordenSpiritRadio.org if you're spelling challenged as I am. Again, we just listened to In Darby Cathedral, and one of the things that I was thinking as you were, and while listening to the song and while you were introducing it, Sarah, is that sensitivity to other people's, what, what some of us see as artifacts, other people see as central to their soul and their passion. How does something like Darby Cathedral intersect within you in terms of religion, spirit, connection with that deep current of humanity? Yeah, I mean, yes. <laughs> Everything that you've just said, it is, it is, as you say, connection with that deep current of humanity that I feel in, in places like cathedrals and churches and, and also in things like stone circles. I mean, in Cornwall, we have a huge number of old um, megalithic monuments and we've got stone circles and we've got barrows and dolmens and so on. In places like that as well, you tend to just feel this sort of, it's almost like a sensation pressing in on you, this weight of humanity, but in, in, in a good way. It's, it's, and it's very interesting the way people have changed the landscape and really affected it. And what is your religious spiritual background or path or foreground? What are you today? Well, I was raised Unitarian. I'm a fifth-generation Unitarian. My great-great-great-aunt uh, was a woman called Jane Addams, um, who was quite a well-known Unitarian. She won the Nobel Peace Prize, and she founded the Settlement House Movement in Chicago and built a place called Whole House. She raised my great-grandfather because his mother died when he was quite young, so she was sort of his mother figure, effectively. And I was a pretty regular attender at the Unitarian Church when I lived in Ireland. I went to the Unitarian Church in, in Dublin, and that's where I got married and where my children were christened and so on. I was blessed. Uh, I can't remember what the terminology, welcoming ceremony, that was it. But then when I moved to England, the nearest Unitarian Church would have been several hours drive away. 
and I really wanted to keep a spiritual dimension in my life. And I, and I also wanted to really feel part of the community. And the local Church of England in our village is a, is a beautiful old 15th century church, lots of lovely stone and, and wood carving and lovely stained glass. It's a beautiful place. And I started singing with the church choir and actually wound up being confirmed into the Church of England not because it would have necessarily been the particular pattern of belief that I would have chosen. I, I, I found the, the Unitarian Church much more sort of congenial to my ways of thinking, but just because I wanted to feel fully part of that community to my what is my home now and my, and my local community, and, uh, and joining the Church of England was part of that. It is, of course, a very important part of why we do religion at all, is because it is a form of community. It's a deep soul bond, I guess, of community, not just specifically the beliefs or the the patterns of worship even, but the people that we connect with and say, mine is part of yours and yours is part of mine. Yes. That's one of the reasons I think that we do it. And I think it's one of the things that we've lost increasingly in the Western world. So more of us are individuals without roots in a community. Good for you for finding it there and maybe uh, as a UU in Anglican clothing. <laughs> you can be part of the Anglican church and, and still be UU as well. It's wonderful. <laughs> Well, keep us going on your music. I know we've got lots to share and not nearly enough time. Okay, well, I'll just speak very briefly about the next song. It's called The Sun Goes On Rising, and it's a song of hope. I like to think of it as it's a song about the harsh economic times that we've all been going through lately, and it's certainly been difficult for me, and I know it's been pretty much difficult for everybody, and and it's been quite universal across different countries and different continents. The phrase came into my head, the sun goes on rising, and I found myself writing a song around that, just basically trying to offer myself some comfort and reassurance that if I could just kind of keep the faith and uh, keep going, that things would eventually get better. The Sun Goes On Rising by Sarah McQuaid. I hear the wolf at the door I've seen his face before And I'm tired, can't keep him out much more And through a chink in the blind I watch him pace alive I better step back from the window He's only by
The Plum Tree and the Rose is Sarah McQuaid's latest CD, and that's one of the tracks from it, The Sun Goes on Rising. She's with us here today as she starts her tour of the U.S. She's got about two months traveling around the U.S. If you go to sarahmcquaid.com, you'll find a link in her schedule. You'll be able to track her down. Maybe you can pick up one of her performances. She's covering a lot of the U.S. in really a very short time. Well, the song was The Sun Goes on Rising. I was also listening to that with your religious spiritual history in place, the UU history, part of Church of England now. I think as a UU, and I know this in part because I've attended UU churches at points in my life, and I'm Quaker, and so there's some overlap. One of the things that I think is true as UUs is instead of saying, well, bless you or it'll be God's will or that kind of thing, we, we don't tend to use that kind of language much. In some ways, saying it must be God's will and, you know, let's give the praise to God for it, that doesn't work so well, I think, for you. So how do you formulate it in your mind? I mean, there is a line in there where you say, I'm, I'm keeping the faith, I'm still in the race, I, you know, trying to get to a better place. Which faith are you keeping there? I suppose just my own faith, and a lot of it's faith in humanity as well and whatever else is out there. I mean, I have to... When you're traveling, you have to put an awful lot of faith in other people and in total strangers. A lot of the gigs that I do, I'm staying in the houses of people I've never met before. I have to turn up somewhere and go off to someone's house, and they feed me and put me up for the night, and then I get up and I go on somewhere else. You know, not everybody you meet along the way is as wonderful as everybody else. You meet some people who are pretty difficult, and then you meet some people who are just so wonderful that you just think... Gosh, the world is a is a good place that there are people like that in it. But fortunately, since they like your songs, that already is something in their favor. You know there's something <laughs> good about them already. <laughs> well, you hope so. Well, I do like your music, and I'd like to hear some more. Thank you. Well, I think we've got the title track of the new album now, The Plum Tree and the Rose. And this is kind of a... Again, it's talking about those who've gone before and how people leave an impact on the places that they pass through. And in a way, the latter part of the song, it kind of gets right down to the sort of core of my belief about people. I, I think people leave their souls behind, both in the places that they've passed through and in the things that they've done in this world that they leave behind and in the people they leave behind as well. And that's what the song about. The Plum Tree and the Rose, title track from Sarah McQuaid's latest CD. The yellow rose you planted has survived Battered by the wind, it's still alive The leaves are curled and brown, the flowers are few and every bud that opens makes me think of you. Think of you. The plum tree and the orchard's doing fine. Our dams and brandies turning out all. It's cloudy and it's strong, but it'll do 
Sarah McQuaid is today's Song of the Soul guest. That's title track of Plum Tree and the Rose, latest CD that she's put out. And you might be able to pick up a copy from her and hear her live if you go to sarahmcquaid.com. Check out her traveling schedule. She's in the U.S. now, although she lives over in England. And she's traveling until the end of October. There's a lot of places in the U.S. who are going to benefit from her beautiful voice and songs. So again... The Plum Tree and the Rose, latest CD. You know, I've got a, a large enough accumulation of folk music, and I assume you know Melvina Reynolds, and I assume maybe you know her song, If You Love Me. You know that one? I don't know that I'm familiar with that one, actually. Hers is kind of a little bit more jocular and upbeat than yours is, uh, less of a minor chord, if you will. But mm. it's definitely the same message and uh, and the same reflection, the the way that people leave their souls with us in the things around us. It's a sweet, sweet song that you've got, and the one that she has as well. Oh, thank you. Well, keep us going on your music so we don't run out of time. I want to get all of it in. Okay. Oh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll move on to Ingratitude, I Sing. And that's 
It is the final song on my new CD, The Plum Tree and the Rose, and it's a canon or round. Um, I didn't set out to write it as a canon. The song kind of came to me while I was driving one morning to a little group that I sing with on Saturday mornings when I'm at home, and I was driving through the countryside in Cornwall and just thinking about what a beautiful place I lived in and, and just generally what a beautiful world it was, and the, the words of the song came to me, and I wrote the song pretty much as I was driving, I thought to myself, well, when I get back home, I'll finish that song. I thought I hadn't finished it. And I got home and I thought, right, well, that's one verse. What's the next verse? And I, there just didn't seem to be a next verse out there. And I realized as I was singing the song to myself that it actually functioned as a round. And so when I came to record the album, I recruited some really fine singers to sing with me. Neve Parsons, who's a wonderful singer, and I think she tours quite a bit in the, in the U.S. as well. So some of your listeners might have heard her. And a wonderful baritone called Tom Barry lovely male voice, Jerry O'Byrne, who produced all three of my solo albums and plays on them as well, and he's a wonderful Irish singer and songwriter and musician and producer indeed, and a lovely friend of mine, uh, Imani Vrody from Ireland, and then the last vocalist, is, uh, vocalist on, on that track is Frances Hutchinson, who's the wife of Trevor Hutchinson, who engineered all three of my solo albums and plays bass on them. I didn't realize she sang at all until I'd wandered back into the kitchen during the recording and she was singing to herself as she was making lunch for us. And I said, gosh, she's got a lovely voice. Do you want to sing on my album? So sort of grabbed her by the elbow and propelled her into the recording studio. But what happens at my live concerts, which is really nice, I've put the sheet music, the canon, up on my website, and I've also put the track as a free download on my website so people can download the sheet music and download the album track and listen to it and learn the canon, and then sometimes they come up on stage and sing it with me at my gigs. It doesn't happen at every gig. Sometimes I go to do a gig and I say, is there anybody here who wants to sing my canon with me? And nobody raises a hand, but sometimes I get choirs coming to the gigs who've learned it. It's always really nice, and it's a way that I can sort of raise the audience participation thing to an extra dimension. And make Pete Seeger envy what you get to do. (laughs) A whole choir out there. Yeah. In Gratitude I Sing by Sarah McQuaid. This earth of ours is beautiful. The sky of ours is beautiful. The birds and the animals, the trees, in gratitude I sing to you. For I am thankful, I am thankful, I am thankful, the sky of is beautiful, the sky of rocks, the trees, the birds and the animals, the trees, the birds and the animals, I sing to you. For I am thankful, I am thankful, I am thankful, I am thankful. Another sweet, beautiful song in gratitude I sing about our beautiful earth. And you really nailed it there, Sarah. You did it. Oh, thank you. You've done good. And I bet you they don't say that so much in England, right? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, so a beautiful song. We could end there, but I don't think we're going to. Let's squeeze in one more. How can we finish off your song of the soul? 
appropriately with a song called Last Song. And this last song, is, it's, it also happens to be the last song on my second album, I Won't Go Home Till Morning. When I recorded that album, I, I had just lost my mother. She had died a, a year or so before I recorded it. And so all of that was quite fresh and raw in my mind. And I was thinking about her. A lot of the songs on the album are songs that I associate with her for one reason or another. The way I came to write that particular song was that I discovered quite early on when my kids were babies that the best way to get them to go to sleep at night was for me to sit in the hallway outside their room and just kind of noodle away on the guitar and sing a bit. And gradually the silence would descend and they'd go to sleep. Anyway, I discovered I could practice my guitar and get my kids to sleep at the same time. And there was one evening that they weren't going to sleep and I just called out, are you still awake? And, you know, I think it happens to every one of us at some point in our lives that we open our mouth and out of it comes the voice of our mother or father, as the case may be. You just sort of you hear yourself say something and you think, was it really me that said that? Did I say that or did somebody else say that? <laughs> and so I wound up writing a song about that. And again, it's, it's a song about, you know, what we leave behind in the world in other people and the kind of continuity between the generations. And so there you go. Last song. When I was a little girl Tucked in my bed at night I'd have the door cracked open And I'd watch the thread of light I'd listen to my mother As she played her old guitar I'd say, do Froggy went to court For the next one She'd say, all right but now this has to be the last song Are you still awake? Go to sleep, child The sun is down, you're safe and sound The sandman's on his way Honey, close your eyes Time to be quiet now Till you wake up in This world too soon 
song is Last Song. It's by Sarah McQuaid. She's been with us here today for Song of the Soul. That was the last song that she picked out as well as named Last Song. You can find her on her website, sarahmcquaid.com. I wish you well on your tour. Remind people again to check you out at sarahmcquaid.com. Of course, find the link on nordenspiritradio.org. They'll find your schedule. They'll find your music and They'll find a bit of you. Thanks for joining me for Song of the Soul. Thank you so much, Mark. It's been really lovely talking to you. The theme music for Song of the Soul is by Chris Williamson, and it's called Song of the Soul. My name is Mark Helpsmeet, and this is a Northern Spirit Radio production. You can listen to this program again, track down the list of songs included, and a whole lot more on my website, northernspiritradio.org. And I invite you to share your Song of the Soul with my listeners. Just contact me via my website. And please, join me weekly for Song of the Soul. You can be happy, let in the light, it will heal you. And you can feel you and sing out a Song of the Soul.